0: As the St. Gallen Synod of Synodality gets underway, many are skeptical that Francis wants to remake the Church into the world's image. When someone says, this is a de facto Third Vatican Council, many roll their eyes and say, even if that's true, the Pope can do whatever he wants because he can change the truths of the faith, no matter what. We see otherwise well-meaning people claiming that the liturgy is the plaything of popes that they can ban the mass if they want despite what figures like bishop athanasius from kazakhstan have to say on the matter or benedict the 16th especially when they claim the opposite and speaking of benedict the he himself said that no one may end the traditional liturgy not even a pope but here's the thing we are in a moment when the church is being unmoored from its past when the break from the traditions and glorious past of the church are being emphasized by the man that the world sees as supreme pontiff. And we're even being told that this break is coming and that it's a good thing. So let's brace ourselves for impact from Francis the Great and Merciful because we have a European priest who is a well regarded, more or less traditionally minded theologian who is telling us that synodality may hamstring the church in ways that would leave the church as disunited as the Orthodox the Church of Henry VIII. Francis, at one of his addresses to the Synod, flat-out told the world that we must not cling to the uncertainties and defined reality of the Church, that anything can be changed. Quote, At Mass, opening the synodal process of the Synod on Synodality, Pope Francis says, The Spirit asks us to listen to the world, to the challenges and changes that it sets before us. Let us not soundproof our hearts. Let us not remain barricaded in our certainties. End quote. And how will this be accomplished? The church is, according to professional Francis fanfic writer and calumniator of laity, Austin Ivray, the church is undergoing a major consultation process with those outside the church. That's astonishing when you think about it for more than two seconds, but Crux Magazine is reporting on this in a way that leaves no ambiguities. Headline, experts see synod as biggest consultation exercise in human history. <laughs> Again, nothing ambiguous with that headline. And here's what that article has to say, quote, Though probably unbeknownst to most Catholics around the world, on Saturday, Pope Francis officially opened a two-year global consultation process, all part of a synod of bishops on synodality, which participants hope will help radically change the way the Catholic Church makes decisions. My expectation is that a new way of doing things, which will allow us to see synodality being lived at every level of the Church, is now underway, Spaniard Carmen Peña-Garcia, a Synod participant, told Crux. The Synod should not be reduced to this moment, these two years, because synodality is a call for co-responsibility and co-participation of the entire people of God in the life and mission of the Church, with baptism being the entry card, she said. During the next year, a consultation will be launched at a parish level, with the faithful being invited to join in dialogue sessions. In March, there will be time for a diocesan and national gathering, followed by a continental one, with the process in principle concluding in October 2023, with a General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops, set to take place in Rome in October. An invitation for all the baptized to take part, Peña Garcia said, has been issued. But it not only applies to them, because the Church wants to be in dialogue with the world too. I think we have to encourage people to take part, so that you don't only get the voices of the usual suspects. But well there's also the matter of free will addressing those who are doubtful the process because they fear it might end with everything in the church teaches up for grabs pena garcia urged people to not be afraid we have to listen but the principles and the deposit of the faith are not changing she said end quote sure the deposit of the faith won't be changed remember francis said we must not cling to our rigid certainty so anything including the deposit of the faith is up for grabs at least in the minds of the people running this The one certainty we have is that after the Synod, the usual suspects will all jump to their podcasts and blogs and television shows to do the mental gymnastics required to tell us how the changes in the faith they're going to push will, in fact, not be changes to the faith at all. It promises to be a huge, unholy mess, so please keep praying for the Church in this time. One influential European priest, Monsignor Bucks, has recently given an interview in Mason Latino magazine, where he hit on a number of topics, but his words on the Synod are the perhaps most interesting. Now, I and others have said that the Synod represents a leveling of the Church, where the laity and rogue bishops will be able to determine the metaphysical reality of the faith, at least that's how it will appear. Monsignor Bucks agrees with that assessment, that what Francis wants is to change the Church. According to Monsignor Bucks, the objectives of the Synod and of Francis are the following, quote, Perhaps a change in the nature of the Church, apparently without touching the doctrine. The Catholic Church, from hierarchical communion to would slide towards a permanent assembly of clerics and laity that decides everything, depriving the bishops who are the only institution of divine right together with the Pope. It would be done in the way that has been seen in the other synods of this pontificate. End quote. And what would that look like in practice? Well, according to Monsignor Bucks, Francis and his hirelings would know the outcome ahead of time. If you were in their position, here is what you would do to remake the church in your own image, using synodality. Quote, you decide on a topic, you have the preliminary text prepared by more or less experienced friends, so that you know the conclusion from the start. Then, using homilies and the off-the-cuff interventions during the proceedings, a sort of moral persuasion is activated towards those who think differently, in order to isolate them and make them feel a minority, unable to conceive novelty, mutiny against the faith. End quote. These off-the-cuff statements that Francis is so famous for are his main mechanism for overtly and publicly signaling his intentions and desires to the assembled bishops. It's a great exercise in power for the Synod, and Francis is quite skilled at it. Why do some of us call the St. Gallen Synod a de facto Third Vatican Council? Because at Vatican II, we had a lot of the same messaging brought to the fore. Again, Monsignor Bucks tells us, when asked if a mutiny against the faith would even be triggered, quote, Under Paul VI, there was talk of a holy ministerial church, now the holy synodal church. Let's agree, however, Vatican II and Lumen Gentium, paragraph 18, affirms that the church is hierarchical, that it is governed by the sacred order to which Christ has assigned three tasks, teaching, sanctifying, and governing. These tasks are not of the lay faithful, otherwise it becomes a parliamentary assembly where the majority is right. In the church, on the other hand, it may happen that the truth remains a minority, a small remnant. According to Monsignor Bucks, synodality places the bishops and the pope on the same level. This is the era of collegiality as I talked about just a couple days ago, so en vogue since Vatican II that to object to it sounds strange to modern Catholic ears. Yet remember, the pope is the supreme pontiff, and in theory what he says goes as long as it does not conflict with the deposit of the faith. He is the safeguard, the guardian of the deposit of the faith, even, dare I say, the guardian or custodian of the tradition in a very real sense, not in the inverted reality that Paca Papa Francis has defined in Traditionis Custodis. In the Crux article, Austin Iveray called it, quote, the biggest and most transformational event of my lifetime, at least since Vatican II. It may be the biggest consultation exercise in human history, yet I think few Catholics are even aware of it, and bishops are mostly lying low, end quote my question is this why is the church being consulted by people who aren't part of the church this is strange if anyone thinks about this critically for even a couple of minutes imagine any other because of the sensibilities of where we're all where you're here hearing this imagine any other shall we say theological tradition that does not acknowledge christ consulting people who are not part of it and using their input to determine how they operate in the world and even what they believe If you can't imagine that, that's because you have a functioning critical thinking skill set. It's absurd to think that it's reasonable for us to do that, but here's the thing. This isn't the first time we know for a fact that this has happened in the Catholic Church. After the council confirmed stonecutter, Archbishop Anabali Bugnini worked with a council of the followers of Luther and Calvin to design the Novus Ordo Mass. He's admitted it himself. These were adversaries of the faith, working together to determine what right and just worship of God would be for the Catholic faithful. Think about that for a moment. It's so absurd that Catholic worships according to the designs of our own adversaries, whose theology is so wholly different than ours, that you might have to ask what level of influence that had when they designed the new Mass. The easy answer is that it had to have had a lot of influence, judging from the plummeting numbers of Catholics who believe what the Church teaches and professes to be true on any number of topics from across the board that just happens to separate ourselves from our so-called separated brethren. Now, the institution calling itself the Catholic Church is going to do this again, because apparently we're supposed to dialogue with the world. Here's a newsflash for the bishops who just don't get it yet. The only dialogue we're to have is with the spreading of the Gospel and the baptizing of all according to what our Blessed Lord told the Apostles and by extension, us. That's really about it. The Church is to speak the truth when it's unpopular, and issue the universal call to penance and holiness, not an exchange of ideas or whatnot. This is all just so absurd. This desire for dialogue was reiterated by Packer Papa Francis when he said at the Synod, quote, Dialogue between priests and laity. I underline this because sometimes there is an elitism in the presbyterial order that separates them from the laity, and the priest becomes the patron of the barracks. End quote. There's that dig at clericalism again, which is really a dig at the traditional understanding of the hierarchical nature of the church. The point Francis is trying to emphasize is the consultative nature he wants, where the laity give real input and pressure the bishops to follow their will. The problem with this approach was expressed perfectly by by Deacon Nick Donnelly on Twitter when he said, quote, People are calling Pope Bergoglio's synodal process Vatican III. This will be a consultation of one of the most ignorant, poorly catechized laity in the history of the Church, led by the most ignorant heretical hierarchy since the crisis of Arius. Catastrophic doesn't cover it. End quote. Yeah, pretty much, Deacon Nick. Pretty much. I'll close with this. Cardinal Tagle, the possible future Pope Francis II, was asked by Vatican News about the Synod, and he invoked St. Joseph as the patron of the Synod, specifically that we should all emulate his silence in the face of the Synod. Going so far as to say that we should remain silent even if the Synod does negative things. Yeah, how about no, Your Eminence? I'll just not be doing that, for we must speak the truth when the modernists pursue their aims, especially when they do so as openly as they will be in the next two years. But I do like his idea in one way. We can invoke St. Joseph, terror of demons, because ultimately modernism is a heresy is the synthesis of all heresies, and heresy has to have some demonic influence. So yes, do as Cardinal Tagli says in one way. Invoke St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church and terror of demons, to prevent the modernists from achieving their goals in this synod. But let me know what you thought about this in the comments, please. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.